This message is brought to you from Calon Church. We pray that it encourages and inspires you. Morning, everybody, on this fantastic Welsh morning. Uh, wherever you are joining us from whatever part of the globe you are, thanks for taking the time uh, to be with us this morning. I don't know about you, but here in the UK, uh, things in lockdown have changed slightly, where we are now able to go out to garden centres and certain places and, and maybe uh, upgrade our garden and get the fences uh, done and get going with DIY. And to be honest, I'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing. You see, my friend Mark Matthews is a keen DIYer, but every time he gets involved in doing any form of DIY whatsoever, whether it's a fence or whether it's a hedge, he always seems to get himself injured. In fact, Mark reminds me of a version of my father. In fact, my father was even worse. My father, for those of you that are listening online and know him, you will know that he seemed to be the king of accidents. Accidents would seek him out and find him. And his most famous phrase that he always used to use to us as a family or people working with him was, well, 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 but then with, which in Welsh translated means, well, 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 I never thought that would happen. And isn't that the story for us in life so often. We never thought that would happen. Circumstances come our way and sometimes we see them in advance and we turn around and we say, I never thought that would happen. Or some of us turn around and say, I could have seen that coming. In fact, many of us on Sunday night saw it coming, didn't we? As Boris made an announcement and changed a lot of what was happening in lockdown uh, and the changes that were coming, a lot of us could see the confusion that was coming with the mixed messages and the lack of clarity that was giving us as a nation. And look, I don't mean to criticize Boris at all. Please see my heart in this. He can keep the job. Uh, I would not want to be prime minister, and I'm pretty sure there's nobody that would want to be in that chair right now because you can't win for making decisions sometimes. But the point I want to make is this. Some of us saw it coming. Some of us doubted the information that we were being told. Some of us doubted its credibility. Some of us maybe doubted its source. Some of us doubted that it would even happen. And the thing is, what happens is life is none of us set out to have doubt come our way. None of us set out to have circumstances fail us. None of us set out to get lost. None of us set out, set out to have so many experiences come our way. They just seem to happen, planned or unplanned. And for some people, it seems to happen to them more than others. In fact, we use a phrase today, don't we, for people that doubt. We call them a doubting Thomas. And I don't know if you know where the phrase comes from, but a doubting Thomas or someone that is skeptical and never thinks that this will work or never thinks that that would work, a doubting Thomas comes from the scripture. In fact, it's one of Jesus' disciples, Thomas, that unless he saw the nail-pierced hands of Jesus, he wasn't going to believe. He wasn't going to believe the women that had been to the tomb on Easter Sunday and seen him rise from the dead. 
and say the Lord is risen. He wasn't going to believe the account of all the disciples. In fact, he wasn't going to believe anyone because he doubted, or maybe he was a cynic, or maybe he was a person that wanted to know all the facts or see all the facts for himself. Are you a doubter? Because do you know what? We're not going to get very far in life if we doubt. In fact, the Bible tells us lots of things that we shouldn't do. Things like do not worry that we've spoken about in the weeks that have gone past. Things like do not fear. But believe it or not, the Bible doesn't use the phrase do not doubt. You can't find it anywhere in the Bible. And it's that subject of doubt that I want to talk to you about this morning, if you will turn with me to the scriptures. If you've got your Bible with you, can you turn with me to the Gospel of Mark? And we're going to read an interesting passage of scripture that can be found in Mark chapter 9. And we are going to read together from verse 14. And the scripture says this in Mark's account of his life with Jesus. He says this, When they returned to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd surrounding them. And some teachers of religious law were arguing with them. When the crowd saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with awe, and they ran to him. What is all this arguing about? Jesus asked. One of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, Teacher, I brought my son so you could heal him. He is possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whenever this spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. Then he forms at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit and they couldn't do it. Jesus said to them, you faithless people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought the boy. But when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion and he fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. How long has this been happening? Jesus asked the boy's father. He replied, since he was a little boy. The spirit often throws him into the fire or into the water trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. What do you mean, if I can? Jesus asked, anything is possible if a person believes. The father instantly crowd, cried out, I believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. Can I say that again? He cried out, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the crowd of onlookers was growing, he rebuked the evil spirit. Listen, you spirit that makes the boy unable to hear and speak, he said. I command you to come out of this child and never enter him again. Then the spirit screamed and threw the boy into another violent convulsion and left him. The boy appeared to be dead. A murmur ran through the crowd as the people said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, helped him to his feet, and he stood up. Afterward, when Jesus was alone in the house with his disciples, they asked him, why couldn't we cast out that evil spirit? 
Jesus replied, this kind can be cast out only by prayer. And the text that I want us to consider this morning as we spend some time around the word of God is to be found in that Mark chapter 9 verse 23 verse where the man that came to Jesus said, I do believe, sorry, verse 24, he says, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. May God bless his word to us today. You see, if you Google this subject, and if you have a look at what theologians say about it, some people try to give big definitions about the difference between doubt and the difference between disbelief and the difference between unbelief and then over the whole spectrum of things in unbelief that we would even disbelieve the existence of God himself, that we would become atheists. And the question I want to ask you today is, where is your belief? You see, I believe that Belief is on a continuum. It's on a uh, continuum, maybe from A to Z if we're on a journey, where there are people that will believe anything you tell them. Are you, do you know people like that? In fact, we have some great fun in our family. We all know our friend Aileen, who's part of the leadership, church, uh, leadership of the church with us here. We love winding Aileen up because you can say the simplest of things to her and she will often just take it at face value and she will pretty much believe anything. And we love winding her up sometimes, but you've got to learn to tell the story well in order to catch her out. So there are some people that believe anything, that trust highly, that take things at face value. And there are others that can be really cynical and they won't believe anything until they see it for themselves. They are true doubting Thomases that they wouldn't even believe like 500 people that are saying that Jesus has been risen from the dead unless they see it for themselves. So my sermon and my message to you this morning is entitled, Do Not Doubt. And it's entitled, Do Not Doubt, because A, the phrase is not in the Bible, but it's one thing that I believe is important for us at this time to learn is to not doubt. So how do we learn not to doubt? Well, just like we were um, speaking about fear a few weeks ago, and we learned that love is the antidote to fear because perfect love casts out fear. So in the same way, I believe faith is the antidote to doubt. Belief is the antidote to doubt. I love it sometimes when I ask people, you know, what's your belief or what's your faith system? And people will turn around to me quite often and say, I don't have a faith. And I often find it fascinating that they say, I don't have a faith. Because we all have a faith. You see, we all put our faith in something, don't we? I have faith that when I jump into my car and when I turn the key, that the engine will start. I have faith that when I walk across the corridor and want to go into a darkened room and I hit the light switch, that when I throw the switch, that the light will come on. But so often, my faith is let down, isn't it? 
My faith is let down because maybe I go to the car to start it and the battery's flat because somebody's left the door open overnight and run the battery down or the stereo on. Have you ever had a flat battery? Yes, but 99.9% .9 of the times when you jump into a car, it starts, right? And 99.9% .9 of the time, when you go and flip a light switch, the light comes on. But often, and sometimes even, it doesn't. It doesn't because the electricity's off. Or it doesn't because the bulb is fused. Or it doesn't maybe because there's even big problems in your electricity system. You see, we all have faith. And faith and belief are based on trust. And what the Bible teaches us is the antidote to doubt is faith. And I want to ask you, what do you believe in? Have you got faith that we can beat coronavirus? Have you got faith that our NHS can save us? Have you got faith that Boris will come up with a great plan? Have you got faith that the Chancellor will provide a fiscal program that will get us out of this and will stimulate the economy, right? We're all asking those kind of questions, and faith is an important part of it. And faith in our everyday life is so important. And in the words of the great theologian and philosopher George Michael, you've got to have faith. You've got to have faith, right? Because without faith, what have we got? You've got to have faith in your spouse that she's going to be faithful to you. You trust her, don't you? We have faith in our children that they are where they say they are. When they say, I'm going to be back at 11 p.m. at night, that they're back at 11 p.m. at night. And the friends that they're turning with, that they're actually saying, yes, I am away with those friends, and that they're not elsewhere. Faith and trust is so, so important. They are two things that come together. And when our faith is let down, when our trust is let down, that's when doubt comes in. So I want to talk to you about two areas that we can improve our faith and build our faith in order for it to be an antidote for doubt. And the faith that I am speaking to you about, it comes from the Bible, from the very word of God. You see, Jesus does use words like, why did you doubt? He used that word, didn't he, to Peter. When Peter is walking on the water and he's walking out of the boat towards Jesus because Jesus in the passage of scripture came walking on the water towards him. He says, Peter, he says, why did you doubt? And the reason Peter doubted is because his concentration and his focus went from looking at Jesus to be looking at the circumstances around him. He saw the water and he saw all of what was around him. And he saw, more importantly, that he began to sink. Are you sinking? Are there circumstances in life that are causing you to doubt? Because you are sinking. On another occasion, Jesus turns around to the disciples in the boat. And he says to them, oh, you of little faith. And when we have little faith, it leaves doubt come in. And that's the moment and the occasion where Jesus is sleeping in the boat when they went to pass over to the other side. And if you read the scripture, Jesus is quite clear. Jesus says, let us go over to the other side in that passage. 
And yet the storm comes up on the Sea of Galilee and the disciples find themselves in a place that the winds and the waves and everything is coming in and they are filled with fear and they turn around and they say, Jesus, Master, don't you care that we perish? Don't you care that we're going to die? And he turns around and says to the winds and the waves, peace, be still. And they turn around and says, what kind of man is this that even the winds and the waves obey him do you feel right now that the circumstances of your life they are so big giant waves howling winds that are coming your way maybe towards your family or maybe towards your business and you are beginning to doubt please don't doubt don't be a person of little faith trust in God and don't be of little and thirdly, Thomas himself. Thomas himself, where he finally meets Jesus, does doubting Thomas. And he sees Jesus across the room. And what's fascinating for me in the account when you read it is he believed straight away just on seeing Jesus. Jesus says to him, come, Thomas, see my hands, feel them for yourself. And his response to it is, I don't need to see, I believe. And Jesus responds to Thomas with a faith answer. And the faith answer is this. Blessed are they that believe and have not seen. That's faith. You see, Hebrews 11 teaches us this. Hebrews 11 teaches us that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things we can't see. It's being sure of the things that we hope for and certain of what we can't see. Well, how can we be certain of what we can't see? Well, it all depends where we are on our continuum of faith. You see, because People that don't believe in God or people that are cynical or people that don't believe in anything have low levels of trust in general. They use words like, well, I'll believe it when the evidence says so. They say, I believe it when I can see it for myself. I'll believe it when, I'll believe it when. And they postpone so many things in their lives because they don't believe. People that will see an opportunity will not execute, and yet other people, when they see the opportunity, will execute. What's it got to do with? Scientists tell us it's got to do with execution. In fact, I'm from a business background, as most of you know, and there's one thing I know in business, is that in a room full of people, we can all have the same talk, we can all have the same information, and yet there will be a small group of people, usually 20%, the Pareto principle, 20% of the people will see the opportunity, go away and execute, 80% won't. 80% won't because they can't, because they won't, or for a million other excuses they will make up. And it's all to do with faith and belief and action. And so what the Bible teaches us to do to stop doubt from becoming disbelief and becoming unbelief, to stop that meter from going that way, there's a way that we can push the meter of doubt back. So where's your meter of faith? 
Where's your meter of doubt? Are you in the middle? Are you high on doubt and becoming cynical? Thinking there's no way we're going to get out of this. Really? Well, Pastor Phil, you're telling me that there's God that loves me and has a plan for my life? You don't know what I'm going through right now. You don't know the situations. You don't know the circumstances. Yeah, I don't know. But Jesus knows. He's in your boat. He's in the boat with you. But you just see the storms. You just see the circumstances. You see so many things around you. And it causes you to doubt. And doubt becomes disbelief. And becomes unbelief. So let's in closing. Push the meter back. Let's exercise faith. So two things that build our faith. So the first thing that we've got to do is trust. Yeah, but I can't trust, you tell me. Yes, you can trust. You trust every single day. You trust in putting a key in your car and turn it. And the engine starts. You trust in hitting that light switch. And it comes on. And you don't turn around with irrationality when those things come your way. And you don't turn around and say, oh, well, th that's it. I'm never going in a car again. I'm never touching a light switch because it clearly does not work. It just didn't work for you that time. Doubt. Doubt comes in. And if we allow doubt to take place, it soon becomes disbelief. And it soon becomes unbelief and we become cynical about everything. We become cynical about our kids. We can't trust them. We become cynical about our wife maybe. What is she up to today? She didn't respond my text. You know, she must be up to no good. We become cynical because doubt comes in because we don't trust. We must trust. People that trust no one don't get very far in life. And we must trust in relationships to be happy and to be successful and to be fulfilled. And the primary relationship that we need to exercise trust in is trusting in the Lord. As Proverbs 3 verse, uh, Proverbs chapter 3 tells us, it tells us that we trust in the Lord with all our um, very, very being. Trust in the Lord with all of our hearts, it says. Don't lean on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in your ways and he will direct your paths. So the first part to pushing back the needle of doubt is to build our faith and build our trust in our faith. And the final thing is experience. You see, experience can work to push the meter either way. You see, when our trust goes and people let us down time and time and time again we learn not to trust them don't we we learn to say ah well they just say that that's who they are and we become very very cynical like the boy that cried wolf we don't believe them even when they are saying the truth and so we must push it back and what do i know about jesus and what do i know about god as my savior well, I know that when I put my trust in him, he's never let me down. Circumstances let us down. Situations let us down. The weather lets us down. I live in Wales, I know that. There are so many things that can let us down. 
the NHS even might let you down. And what I mean by that, they're saving so many other people. They might not be able to save your loved one for whatever reason, whatever situation or circumstances. Things fail us. The government might fail us. There are so many things. The economy might fail. There are so many things that could happen. But what are we going to do? Are we Are going to doubt, doubt, doubt? Or are we going to begin to play our part, which is to trust? I'm encouraging you today more than ever to put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ with all your heart. And as you trust him, as you pray, as you get into his word, as you are built up, you will get a body of experience in your life that you will know that he has a plan for your life and that he comes through for you. You know, there's a phrase I love that J. John, uh, Canon J. John uses often, and the phrase is this. When I pray, coincidences happen. When I don't, they don't. Have you become cynical? Maybe you're not even praying anymore. Maybe your disbelief is becoming unbelief and you're thinking, I can't trust God for this anymore. I can't trust God to save my business. I can't trust God for my family at this time. I can't, you know, are we really going to get out of this situation? If this COVID thing is going on for months and months and months, are we really going to get out? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways and he will direct your paths. Have a great week. Don't doubt. This message was brought to you from Calon Church. If you want to know more, please check us out online at calon.church.